Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back. Goes reverse with a left hand. It was so weak. This is Warriors Roundtable. With the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Let's see how they handle this. Beverly in the front court. The crowd wants him to go for the three. You can hear them stand and cheer. Beverly drives and dunks it with the right hand. We just got a tee. We got teed up for demonstrative behavior. Which is absolutely ridiculous in a 30-point game. Yeah. Get your dunk, move on. Warriors down, 86-74. Curry had it stripped by Durant. Now it's a two-on-one with Green back. Martin to Durant. Durant will slam it down. Draymond Green tried to foul Martin on the pass. He ran him off the floor. A tough start to the Warriors' four-game road trip. Losses in Houston and Oklahoma City. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, inviting you once again to take a seat at the round table as we get you caught up on all things Warriors. Now, currently, the ball club is here in Memphis, where they'll take on the Grizzlies tomorrow night. Now, our simulcast coverage on both Comcast and KMBR tip-off is at 5 o'clock. We'll go on the air with the radio side starting at 4.45. Now, the Warriors will be looking to snap an eight-game losing streak against Memphis. Andrew Bogut will play in that game, and I'll have an update on Jared Jack coming up in our next segment. Now, last night, Golden State with 19 turnovers, resulting in 29 points for Oklahoma City. The Thunder setting a Warriors season opponent high with 16 block shots, six of them coming from Serge Ibaka, who I think is just one of the most underrated players in the entire league. However, Golden State will be looking to get the next to two on the trip. Now remember, they have finished 500 or better on every multi-game road trip this season. However, with the two losses to start this trip, they have now fallen back to the number six spot in the West, a half game back of Memphis. Now coming up on tonight's show, Warriors guard Steph Curry makes the three-point shooting contest in Houston. I'll talk to him about that, about the chances of making the all-star team as an injury replacement, the road trip, and much more. Then David Lee will share with Warriors radio producer R.C. Davis about what he did when he found out one of his best friends had cancer. Lee continued work in a similar vein today as he stopped by the St. Jude's Hospital for Children right here in Memphis. I'll answer your questions via Twitter at WarriorsVox, that's Warriors V-O-X, or you can send me an email at uh, timroy at warriors.com, that's T-I-M-R-O-Y-E at warriors.com. Then later on the show, a special treat. You know the Mid-South, where the Warriors are right now, has produced a number of players that have helped the Golden State Warriors over the years. Monte Ellis is the most recent that comes to mind. We're going to go back to the 1980s and hear from Larry Smith. That's right, Mr. Mean. He played from 1980 through 1989 for Golden State. I'll talk to him about joining a talent-laden Warriors squad when he came out of Alcorn State, about his first meeting with Al Adels and what it meant to him when the Larry Smith fan club donned those hard hats on the baseline. All that this hour around the roundtable, and Steph Curry is next when we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the hand off baseline to the rack, jammed it and was fouled. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Curry from half court, good if it goes. And it does! He banked it in. That's the perfect way for this half to end. On a shot like that. 
Hi, Tim Roy for Warriors Radio. We continue with the roundtable. Quick update on Jared Jackie is day-to-day for tomorrow and Saturday with a right shoulder contusion happened in the game against Houston in a collision with the Jeremy Lin. Talking with Steph Curry, and of course, uh, good news today. Uh, you learned you're in the uh, three-point uh, shootout again for Houston. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, you know, I like to shoot the three, so to be in that competition. Uh, I did it my rookie year. Um, shot the ball pretty well, finished second to Paul Pierce. So I uh, got to go down there and try to win it um, and see what happens. Is there a strategy? Did you learn anything from that experience that you will apply this time around? I guess the only thing you think about is uh, people decide which side they want to take the, the ball from off the rack, uh, whether it's the right side or left side. Um, I can't remember which one I like from – I got to go back and study the tape because I, I practiced it a couple times before I went to Dallas that year um, and figured out which way it was, but I can't remember so long ago. Now the Warriors will have a couple of days before you have to be in Houston. Will you take some shots? Yeah, I think I'm actually going to invite some of the teammates uh, – there's always been talk of who's a better shooter, me or Clay, or even uh, throwing Harrison in there. So uh, maybe one day, Wednesday after our last game before the All-Star break, uh, I'll get all three of those guys in there, and uh, we'll have a little competition between ourselves. Do you have any sort of uh, gesture? You, like you know, Larry Bird had that one finger in the air when that last ball was going. Do you have anything planned? I'll plan something in case I make all make thirty for thirty. That, <laughs> thirty if I get thirty points, and I gotta be able, to, I gotta do something, so I gotta think about it. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this uh, road trip. Uh, obviously, a buzzsaw in Houston. I mean, that's just a, a crazy night for them. And, and Oklahoma City does what they did to the Warriors. They do that to a lot of people. It's been a tough start. Yeah, it's been a rough start. I mean, uh, we've run into two potent offenses, and you know, we know that what they're capable of and if you don't show up defensively it's going to get ugly quick so uh, with Houston the way that they shot the three um, the entire game and uh, really opened up the scoring uh, we just really didn't have a shot uh, clawing back in that one Um, and we tried to to bounce back after a a crazy night traveling to Oklahoma City Um, we put up a fight in the second half to try to get back in the game and uh, you know coach said we're going to play some good teams on nights we just don't have it but when it comes to our effort and energy and, and how we play, it has to be at a certain level. Um, I think we found a little bit of that in the second half against Oklahoma City, so hopefully that translates to a, a good performance here in Memphis. Do you have any sort of uh, travel story from college or high school AAU tournament that, it, that you can even relate to what we went through the other night? I can't. Um, the only thing we talked about was how, how our bodies felt. It was almost like playing when we played AAU. Um, and you had to play like four games in a day, and that fourth game you're just you're just dead. So, um, but you still got to find a way to push through it and and perform. That's probably the only comparison it was. But I never had a travel day like that where, you know, you, you're landing in different cities, taking cabs, you know, a hundred plus miles, and and uh, then having to play in a back to back. It was it was interesting. I asked this morning for uh, some of the fans to tweet out some questions, so I'm gonna repeat a couple that I got from from fans. One fan wanted to know. Do you have a favorite game this year so far? Probably the whiteout game against the Clippers at home. Um, they're coming off a big uh, winning streak, 17-plus games. So, um, and obviously the atmosphere in Oracle was amazing. Um, seeing all, all the whiteout Warrior Ground T-shirts and, and things like that. So, And we obviously we had a great game and, and got the win. Uh, that was probably the, the loudest I've heard Oracle since I've been here. And, 
um, you know, hopefully more of those games to come. Hopefully the postseason will get it to crank it up to maybe it's still a little exactly. bit a little bit louder. Another fan wanted to know about the defensive intensity. Is it hard to keep that intensity over the course of a eighty two game season? It's it's tough, but that's what good teams do. I mean, that's what separates the elite teams from, you know, the average teams when when they're consistently bringing that effort. Um, you know, it's the NBA. Teams are gonna make shots and um, no matter how good a defense you play on certain possessions, but you know, over the course of a season, in the course of 48 minutes, the elite defensive teams bring that energy. No matter if you know a team goes four for four uh, in possessions, and you got to get stops, and you just eventually things will average out for you. So, uh, for us, that's what's been a big turnaround for us as a team overall. And the, while we're in the position where we're in right now, uh, and over these next you know, 39 games, we have to continue that effort if we're going to you know, hold ground and even advance up the standings even more. Talking with Steph Curry here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy and a final fan tweet that I'll ask you about. I wanted to know about rebounding by committee. Is it still the same when Andrew Bogut's on the floor? It is and Coach made a point about that. Even though Andrew's in there, we can't just rely on him to, uh, him and D-Lee to, to cover the paint for us. Uh, obviously, he brings a lot of size to the, to the, uh, to the paint and um, He's going to do a great job of rebounding by himself, but when we get athletic teams and, and big front courts that uh, can definitely dominate the glass as well, us guards have to get in there and, and snag a couple of rebounds. And uh, you know, history shows when we out rebound teams that we, we play at a high level and, and have a great record. So um, that's something we have to continue to push, even though Bogut's in there, and hopefully that'll, that'll make us even better. And the great thing for for you and for Clay and for whoever's out there with either David or with, with Andrew is you know if you move without the ball and the, your bigs have it, you're going to get it back. Exactly. That was something we knew coming into the season that Andrew and, and D. Lee uh, could do is you know play high-low. Um, when, when D. Lee's out in the paint perimeter area, um, he, can, he can really thread the needle with those backdoor passes. And, and even the big-to-big uh, chemistry that D. Lee and, and Bogut have with passing over the top of defenses in the paint and it just adds another element to our to our game. Ask you about a couple of your teammates, and the first one I want to ask you about is Draymond Green. He's he's kind of a, an irritant out there to some of the other teams. He is. That's the way you know Michigan State played when he was there, and he kind of you know showed that ability all four years he was there. Um, and he and he finds a way to to make things happen on the court um, and, and impose his will when he needs to. So you got to have guys like that that are tough that are. Uh, won't back down and and uh, you know, stick the neck out um, to try to make plays and and uh, and get things done. And are you and Clay Thompson going by the uh, moniker Splash Brothers? We've tossed that around the locker room a couple <laughs> times. A couple of the coaches have the uh, the computer backsplash of the Splash Brothers uh, and all that. So kind of funny that. Uh, but I think that's a, that's a cool name we can attach to. What do you see with him? And, and obviously, you guys are similar. You both are sons of, of uh, NBA players. It seems he has that that NBA demeanor about him. He does. I mean, he's obviously grown up in the game and um, a very talented guy. That is only in his second year, uh, who's only can continue to get better. So we, uh, you know, fortunate we drafted him last year and, and had a. Uh, a chance for him to to really play some significant minutes last year and work on his game because we knew how important he was going to be to 
to what we were going to try to do this year. And obviously he's shown that he has breakout games and shoots the ball well, but even defensively um, has really stepped up and, and made a lot of improvements and uh, become a d- defensive uh, you know, pest out there when it comes to, to stopping guys. Just a couple more. One, not a three-point contest, but in a teardrop contest, if all things were equal, you, Jared Jack, or Mark Jackson? That's tough. I got I got to go back and look at some film of Coach Jackson, but uh, you know Jared lives in the paint when he gets in there. Jared's more of a two foot floater guy. I'm more of a one foot floater guy, and uh, I'm sure Coach could probably do both. So uh, take your pick. I think anybody, any one of us, could knock it down. Diplomatic as always. Yes. Uh, let's let's finally the chance to salvage the road trip. Chance to get go two and two on the road trip, and then that final game. Uh, before the All-Star break, is is it three games where you got to say, okay, we have to focus on these three, and then the break will happen when it happens? Yeah, you got to finish strong. Um, that's been our mantra, and I think when you can go on a road trip against four playoff teams, you know, uh, I think you know, going two and two is not a bad thing. Uh, obviously, you want to come away with a winning record, but from the way it started, if, if we can. Get these two these two wins coming going home and then protect home court on Tuesday um, before the break and then get a little rejuvenation um, and we have a heavy home schedule uh, finishing out so we can't look too far in advance but we know if we take care of business these next three games and uh, beat some good teams that you know we'll really be in a good good position to finish out the season. I appreciate the time as always and and best of luck in the three point shooting contest in Houston. Thank you very much. Lee got the rebound. Top of Clay Thompson for three. Yes! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. We're back around the roundtable. Tim Roy with you on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Warriors and Grizzlies, 5 o'clock tip tomorrow night with our simulcast coverage. Now, did you miss out on getting your very own Steph Curry bobblehead? For a limited time, you can get your hands on this coveted Warriors bobblehead. Head to your nearest Metro PCS Corporate Bay Area retail store and activate a new Metro PCS 4G LTE phone. This offer available while supplies last. Find out more at warriors.com slash Metro PCS. Now, you know if you listen to the roundtable that the Warriors are constantly trying to give back to the Bay Area community. That effort reaches here on the road. We are in Memphis, Tennessee, where the Warriors will take on the Grizzlies. And, of course, Memphis, the home of the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is unlike any other pediatric treatment and research facility. Discoveries made here have completely changed how the world treats children with cancer and other catastrophic diseases. With research and patient care under one roof, St. Jude is a place where some of the gifted researchers worldwide are able to do science more quickly. David Lee made a visit to St. Jude's earlier today. He's an ambassador for the hospital and has been since joining the Warriors in 2010. And over the last three years, he has taken time to visit with various patients and their families and participate in water-themed arts and crafts activities. It's all part of David Lee giving back, taking the blessings that he has as an NBA player and trying to turn that into a positive thing helping people who are facing cancer and other catastrophic diseases. Recently, David sat down with Warriors radio producer R.C. Davis and talked about his own encounter with cancer when he found out one of his childhood friends was afflicted. 
R.C. Davis sitting down with Golden State All-Star David Lee and his best friend Mike Bomarito. Welcome to Oakland, Mike. Thank you. Happy to be here. So you guys have grown up together since you were like five years old back in St. Louis? Yeah, started Little League Baseball and then uh, got to know each other and ended up going to high school and, and stuff like that together and been, been great friends ever since we were little. Did you give him that shiner? Uh, no, but maybe back in the day I would have. I used to tell people that I was always better than Dave at sports until about, I don't know, eight, and then he grew, and uh, from there he just dominated. Uh, Mike, what were, you doing, what were you doing last week when you found out David made his second All-Star game? Uh, I believe I was at work. I was talking with Dave, and he was telling me that, you know, they may hear soon, and I, I always had high hopes that it would happen, and uh, when I heard it again, I was just ecstatic for him. Mike, you're a two-time cancer survivor. Um, kind of take us back to 2006 when you first learned uh, that you had contracted cancer. Uh, in 2006, I actually had graduated from University of Missouri-Columbia uh, in late 2005. Uh, early 2006 is kind of when I first noticed, uh, you know, I was something just wasn't right. Uh, so I went into the doctor, and sure enough, it could have been a handful of things, and it turned out to be uh, testicular cancer. Um, from then, I stayed on top of it. I went through uh, two major surgeries uh, to remove the tumor um, and then some preventative stuff, um, and they felt that they had gotten all of it. Um, so that was my first bout with it. And then, you know, after that, you go through the motions of checking up, um, and they consider you cured within five years. Uh, but in my case, right. five years came around, and that's when the second reappearance happened. And David was with you every step of the way. Yeah, David came and visited me in the hospital. He was supportive. Obviously, he was busy with everything. But again, you know, a good friend and, and how long we've been friends, you know, he's always there, no matter if we don't talk for a week or two. Cancer is one of those things, David, that, you know, the world kind of stops whether you have an mm-hmm. NBA game or not. Right. And it's your best friend. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, I, I don't think I know of anybody that, that doesn't, has hasn't either dealt with it themselves or dealt with a, a friend or a family member that's that's that they've had to talk to about cancer or, or, or deal with having the disease and um, having it hit so close to home. Uh, you know, I've, I've had family members also pass away from it. So, um, you know, it, it was really really tough, and it was our our first friend that had kind of uh, had anything that they've dealt with like that, and uh, so it was just you know me trying to help Mike any way I could. And oftentimes there's no answers to to the questions. You know that that. Uh, that he has to deal with, and so it was. Uh, it was difficult, but uh, you know he's always kept a positive attitude, and, and it's uh, it inspires me and, and and the rest of our friends knowing that that uh, we you know we have daily challenges we go through. Everybody does, but the fact that he had some difficult things you know that were a lot you know a lot more important than what we've been dealing with, and he kept a positive attitude was uh, was very inspiring. How much did that mean to you to have him there, not David Lee, the NBA player, but David just. By your bedside and with you the whole time. It was it was great. I mean, it's always good to have family and friends, even though they don't, they may not understand what you're going through. Just being there and and being there, you know, pick up the phone to talk, that means a lot. I've never really seen David as you know David the NBA player. I've known him since he was just David. When I could give him <laughs> trouble and not, you know, people aren't like, Whoa, he's not, allowed, he's not allowed to give me any trouble anymore. I, we, we've uh, taken that out of our friendships. So. Well, I, I still kind of do. But again, it was always just been David, you know. So I, I kind of see past that because we've we've been friends for such a long time. What was that like for you to be by his bedside? You're healthy and vibrant and here's your friend just going through this. Well, it was tough. And, 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 and once again, you know, he's uh, he was very good at not always showing uh, 
how, how bad he was feeling. Uh, even even during the second uh, second bout where he started chemotherapy and and uh, things like that, and and the more intensive treatments, he still was you know same old Mike. And uh, once again, that's very inspiring because. You know, I've seen a lot of other people go through it where, you know, or, or, or things similar to that where it ruins. Seems like every single day they're upset, and rightfully so. But uh, it, it's it's amazing to see somebody keep a positive attitude, and and, and it, uh, it it meant a lot to me to see him do that. It's 2011 hits. You find out it's back. You begin together with the help of your family to start us against cancer. Tell us about that maturation process. How that all. Came yeah. Well, about. in 2011. Um, Early 2011, uh, I was going back for my fifth-year checkup when they were supposed to say, you're good to go, you know, see you later. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I, I was diagnosed again uh, with the same disease. There's about less than, I believe, 1% chance of reoccurrence in this case. Um, so long story short, did the same two procedures that I had the first time. Um, but after they did the biopsy, it was, I would say, more bad news. They noticed that it was a, a different type of cancer. Uh, it was more aggressive. Uh, so they, since after the second uh, surgery, they, di- they took out lymph nodes, basically. And based on the number of, uh, you know, traces of cancer they found in those, they felt it was necessary to do chemotherapy. And that, the surgeries were fine for me, but that was probably one of the hardest things. So you guys started Us Against Cancer with the help of your family. You donate $250 for every win to the Siteman Center in St. Louis. It's got a, it must, it's not just mean something because it's your friend, it's something you believe in. Well, yeah, you know, and, and, and I can't take credit for any, any starting of, uh, of the foundation. Mike's done an unbelievable job. And it's, it's really nice and, uh, to see somebody that's been through a tough experience and, uh, and isn't just thinking of himself. He's thinking of other people that are going through the same thing, other people that may not have, uh, you know, the means to pay for, for treatments or the means, you know, and, and there's a lot of different, you know, steps and research and stuff that can still be done um, with so many people being affected by the disease. So it's great to see somebody stepping outside of, oh, I'm upset, I had to deal with this, and instead thinking of others that are in the same situation. And so my pledge to Mike this year when he came to me and said he was starting this was uh, that every single Warriors victory, I didn't want to make it an individual thing, I wanted to make it a team thing. Every, uh, you know, every single Warriors victory, I'm going to donate $250 to the charity, and I mean, I might have chosen a lower number, but I wouldn't know we were going to win so many games. But I, uh, it's been great so far. It's been a good partnership. So, you know, he's not only excited that the Warriors are winning because he watches every game anyways, but uh, also excited that it's going to help a great cause. And, uh, and, and it's been another way for us to connect as friends and, and to fight against the good cause together. David, you do so many things throughout the season with NBA Cares and the community that go unnoticed. Why shine a spotlight on this particular charity? You know, yeah, no question, and, and also something that hits so close to home because you know Mike is, has gone out of his way, uh, even when he was you know recovering from his chemotherapy is when he really came up with the idea, and he's and, and like I said, he's not worried about himself; he's worried about starting something. So I always uh, am a person that's going to support my friends and my family when they come up with a great idea and uh, and come up with something that, that they're passionate about. So um, that's that's one of the reasons I, I, I decided to help and and. Uh, I think this summer we've talked about you know doing some different uh, things in St. Louis to raise awareness and and to help the charity. So it's everything's going to a great cause, and, and I'm just really happy to be a part of it. And Mike, you're healthy today, 100% healthy, living a normal life. I'm healthy today. You know, I go back for checkups uh, every three to six months, uh, but the signs are looking up. So hopefully they can get to the five-year mark again with me, and then they can tell me to go on my way. 
Well, David, Mike, thanks for sharing your story with us today. And if anyone would like to donate or learn more, go to usagainstcancer.org. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having us. Shoots over him. It's up a good. Harrison Barnes can feel it right now. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Hi, Tim Roy. The Roundtable continues. Don't miss the next bobblehead giveaway. The Clay Thompson Bobblehead Night takes place on Wednesday, February 20th against the Phoenix Suns. The first 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a limited edition bobblehead courtesy of Lucky. Go to warriors.com slash bobblehead. Time now to answer some of your questions via Twitter, Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X. You can email me at timroy of warriors.com, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E at warriors.com. Let's take a look at some of your questions of today. Uh, Trapped in Golden State wants to know, do you think Coach is saving Barnes for the stretch run and from the wall with limited minutes, or is it something he isn't seeing from him? I, I think right now Mark is making sure that he monitors his rookies' minutes and the, where they're playing, who they're playing against, to try to keep their confidence up, as well as obviously trying to win the game. I also think with Harrison Barnes averaging around 25 minutes a night, you might see that increase as he adjusts to the length of the season. Right now, it's kind of the dog days of the NBA. It's before the All-Star break. Players are looking forward to that stretch where, in Harrison's case, he gets to go to Houston and take in the All-Star weekend. But it's also a time when the bodies can heal up a little bit. So I think, right now, I think his minutes will stay right there. But if he continues to play the way he did last night in Oklahoma City, don't be surprised if March and April, his minutes head closer and closer to 30 a night because he is starting to really figure it out and starting to use that great athleticism that he has around the rim. Sean Grogan, too, wants to know about any truth to the rumors about KG or Pierce getting traded to the Warriors for a late push. I would say no at this point. I don't think there's any truth to those kind of rumors. Golden State has great chemistry with this club right now. And I think what they'd like to do is find out a little bit more in the second half of the season how this team fits with Andrew Bogut. The early returns are that this team is going to be a lot better with Andrew on the floor simply because he blocks shots and he passes the ball. Uh, When he's on the floor, the Warriors are so much fun to watch. So I don't think the Warriors are going to be involved in any sort of a big deal. Maybe a a smaller deal if if it works and and the money works. But I I don't think you'll see the Warriors in any sort of blockbuster uh, trade. And finally, Deep Mizzelay 100 wants to know, will Kent Bazemore get more playing time? He's playing pretty well in the last few sub-ins. And I think, you know, you're seeing Mark Jackson... Tweak a little bit with Kent Bazemore. He's now coming in as a ball handler to be sort of a point forward with the second group, especially when you don't have a Jarrett Jack out there. So I think we'll see Kent Bazemore starting to get more and more playing time. As I said last night on our simulcast, I can't wait to see how Kent Bazemore looks next year at this time because his athleticism, his work ethic, He's getting better with his jump shot. I think as time goes on, he's going to be a real intriguing player. He is so long on the defensive end that he cannot be ignored. Hi, Tim Roy. Thanks for your questions. We try to get to as many as we can. And tonight we also asked uh, Steph Curry a couple of questions that you wanted him to answer in our earlier interview. When we continue, we turn the clock back. Here in the Mid-South, plenty of great basketball players over the years, and a few have ended up in the Golden State Warriors. One was Mr. Mean, Larry Smith. We check in with Larry Smith when we continue right here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. 
Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Pleasure today to welcome one of the all-time great rebounders in NBA history and one of the most popular uh, Golden State Warriors uh, of all time, and that is Larry Smith. He's known as Mr. Mean, but it's only a nickname. It's not really true. Uh, and one of the greatest offensive rebounders of all time. 3.9 career offensive rebounds per game. And I believe that ranks the sixth all time. And, and Larry, welcome. Thank you so much for helping us out. And, and, and how are you today? Well, I'm good. I'm very happy that you guys helped me on. It's a pleasure. What is keeping Larry Smith busy these days? Well, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, as of right now, I am working at the university at Alcorn. I'm, I'm the, uh, the athletic development director there. So that's pretty much uh, what I'm doing these days, and it's definitely keeping me busy. And that, of course, is is, uh, is home for you. You're a Mississippi guy. You played at Alcorn State. You're one of the most famous athletes of all time. So it's got to be cool to to, uh, to go home and help out. Well, absolutely. It's, it's, it's okay. But I still miss the Bay, the Bay Area very much. And I know that you've been uh, you've been an assistant coach in the NBA. You've coached in the in the D League and and the WNBA. You were head coach at Alcorn State. Do you miss coaching? Uh yes. Ah. You know, I, I, I really do. I, I, I miss uh, the grind. I, I miss working with the young people. And and I miss uh, that's something I love to do, and I definitely uh, miss it right now. Now, when, it seems like that when a player gets into the coaching ranks, it just seems like it gets into his, his bloodstream, so to speak, and, and it stays there forever. Is, is that the way it is with you? Yes. Uh, I, I, I love the coaching aspect of the game, and again, like I reiterated on this, I, I love working with young people, and it's just a thrill for me uh, to be a part of it for so many years, and something that I will always treasure. Now, when you were playing at Alcorn State, and you guys were really good then, I mean, you guys, you had one, one year you guys went undefeated, correct, in the regular yeah. season? Yeah, we had a good so, so you were a really good player, but it, it was a, say, quote-unquote, a small a college. It wasn't like, say, playing at, you know, say maybe LSU or someplace like that. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously, you knew you were pretty good. Did you know you were NBA good? Well, uh, uh, no. I, the, the NBA at that time was was not uh, on my agenda at all. Uh, I just I just loved the college game. I loved what I did at the time, and my main focal point at that stage was graduating from college, and that's what I did. So. The NBA was a plus, and, and God had really blessed me to give me an opportunity to play in it. So it was not under agenda time, but everything's worked out well for me, and, and I'm just happy that I had an opportunity to play in the NBA. Now you played in the, in, in the NBA and, and uh, for a long time, and a very, very consistent player off the glass. You know, and, and you mentioned, for, well, first of all, let's go back to the college. You graduated from Alcorn State. What was your degree in? Uh, administration. Administration. I have okay. a master's in yeah, a master's degree in which which probably helps with what you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of. Uh, like I said, it's it's a different thing for me. Uh, I'm I'm gradually picking it up a little better now. Uh, it's just the fundraising part, in which I didn't have to do when I was in my playing days, or or when I was 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 coaching at all. So it's a little different, but I'm getting the hang of it these days. Now, on these catching up with series, I'm always 
uh, uh, not I wouldn't say amused, but I'm always curious to find out, you know, uh, what the draft day experience was like for former players because we know it's such a it's such a big production now, you know, especially for the guys in the lottery and they're they're waiting there and you know they get the handshake of the commissioner and you know the interviews on national TV. But I imagine it wasn't like that in 1980 when the the Warriors took you with what was the 24th pick overall. Uh, it was actually the first pick of the second round that year. Of course, now it goes deeper than that in the first round. But you were the first pick of the second round in, in 1980. Uh, what was that day like, and how did you find out? Well, actually, I was home uh, in Mississippi with my mom, and my um, attorney gave me a call and told me I had been chosen by the Golden State Warriors. And at the time... I was speechless. Uh, it was, I said, this couldn't possibly happen to me. But uh, <laughs> it, it was one of the, the greatest times in my life uh, getting that call, and I'm just so happy I had the opportunity to play for the Warriors over the years. Now, back in 1979 in Sports Illustrated, they say that the, unless he unveils a perimeter jump shot in his senior year, it's doubtful that Larry Smith will make the pros. Was that motivation at all? Well, uh, Absolutely. But that being said, uh, through my whole uh, high school, junior high career, everyone always told me that I was too small to do the job. And that was a motivational factor for me as well. But one thing I I learned over the years that uh, I will never let anybody outwork me. And I think that was my strong student that kept me competitive. And I think that carried me on to the NBA. Well, no doubt about that. When you came to the Warriors, uh, you could have probably taken 2,000 shots a day all summer, but you weren't going to get a lot of shots on that team. Um, <laughs> World be free and Bernard no, no, King we, were there. We had, we had tremendous players on the <laughs> team. Um, uh, guys like Purvis Short, Joe Barry, Carol, Carol World Free, Bernard King, Clifford Ray, and the list can go on. Sonny Parker. So it, it was not a whole lot of shots, but I knew – with all those guys out there, if I just get on the glass and stay consistent on the glass, I will get a chance to play. And thank God it worked out for me. What are your thoughts about Bernard King? And, and maybe do you have a Bernard King story? Well, <laughs> all I know is with Bernard, uh, a scoring machine. Uh, he one of the first guys I ever seen to get out and run the break as he did in the finish plays on the on the break as well. Uh, the guy really knew how to put the ball in the basket. And, yes, I do have a story for Bernard. Uh, he was the only guy that I got a fine for, for being late. I was picking him up and taking him to the airport, and I got fined for the first time in my career <laughs> picking him up, and I still told him, he, you know, he made me late. And that's <laughs> one story I, I always held him accountable for me being late that particular time. And I think that was the only time in my career I was ever late for an airport. For a flight. Now, Purvis Short, obviously, you must have known about him. He played at Jackson State, right down the Absolutely. road. And, and, and boy, you talk about jump shot. How about that jump shot? Oh, man, unbelievable. Uh, short man had that rainbow jumper. It was just consistent. It was pretty. I, I never seen anybody have a beautiful shot, but his shot was, was, was beautiful. Uh, a real a real score. And it's like I, like you stated, it was with those guys on the, on the team, uh, all I can see is opportunity to get on the glass and playing time. That's how I don't get playing time because I know with that, those guys in the lineup, it's not going to be a lot of shots. But uh, I made my living uh, doing the uh, 
the dirty thing on the glass, and, and I'm just proud I had the opportunity to do so. Well, let's talk about the other guy who came from a relatively small college, and that was uh, World B. Free. Uh, he played at, at uh, Guilford College as Lloyd Free. Uh, but what an, I don't think kids today, if you try to describe Lloyd Free and his game, it would be hard to really put into words. I mean, he was, he was so talented and so strong. Absolutely. And I always considered a world's game as a playground game. Uh, the guy, he, he, he could score. Uh, he could do a lot of things. He, he, he could get to the basket. He had this, this, this nice jump shot. And just like I said, another guy that, that could put the ball in the basket, uh, and he was consistent in doing so. And, yes, I, and coming from a small college, a lot of people didn't get a chance to see him, but he was one of the prolific scorers of all time that, that for the Warriors in his tenure there. He was really, really good. First impression, Al Adels. First impression, mm-hmm. he scared me to death. <laughs> Just like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I met him, I said, oh, God. Uh, he, he, he had this really, really deep voice. Uh, I, said, I was just afraid of him. But turned out to be uh, one of the greatest guys you ever want to meet. I love him to death, and I'm just so proud that I had an opportunity to play for him. And he saw something in you right away because he gave you, as you talked about, you wanted to get playing time, and you knew on that particular team it had to be defense rebounding and, and doing some of the dirty work. And he saw that in you, and, and he gave you playing time. Well, absolutely. And and he knew uh, I, I had a good work ethic, and I think that's, that's what made the difference for me, that I know I, I wasn't the greatest offensive player, but I know I could do a lot of other things that get me playing time. So he saw it in me, and he saw it every single day. And him being the kind of guy he is today, uh, if you're going to play hard for him and do the little things, you can have an opportunity to play. And thank you... God they chose me when they did. I, <laughs> I always be grateful for it, for the wars in taking me, and especially uh, Al Adams and Scotty Sterling. 31 minutes a game, Scotty Sterling, of course, who is – has, uh, I believe, just wrapped up a long uh, run with the uh, Sacramento Kings franchise and, and did the rare double-double in the Bay Area, working for the Warriors and the Raiders at one point. Um, and you you were very close to, to getting a double-double your first year. You would get it later on in your career, but there were a couple of times where you averaged 9.6 points a game and, uh, and very consistent off the glass, obviously, for years. But in that first year, I was re- just remarkable, 12.1 rebounds a game. I believe in your final game that year, you had 31 uh, rebounds against Denver. Uh, of course, Denver, a high-scoring team, they were going to get up a lot of shots, but still, 31 rebounds, that's a lot of glass. So how did you feel after your, your rookie season when it was pretty obvious that, that you were going to play in this league for a long time? Well, it, 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 was, it was a great feeling for me. Um, I just wanted to have the opportunity to play, and that's what I love to do. I, I love playing the game. It was fun for me, and and getting a chance to play in the league was an honor. And that's something that, that uh, today I sit back and think about that and say, man, uh, geez, a lot of guys couldn't, didn't get an opportunity to do what I did. It was an honor for me to play in the NBA and an honor for any guy, any guys that make the NBA to play it. I think uh, you, you, it was just a great, uh, a great situation. I had an opportunity to meet tremendous people, got a lot of chance to travel, and... The money wasn't bad either, so it was a lot of it was a lot of it was a lot of things came into play in planning the NBA. A lot of upside, as they would say. Talking with Larry Smith, I'm Tim Roy here on Warriors.com, and and Larry, you arrived 
uh, in Golden State with the nickname, Mr. Mean. Uh, how did you get that? Well, um, I got that name from uh, from my college from the, from the my sports information director, which was Gus Howard at the time. Uh, I got the name from him because he said I never ever smile. I always like I was mad all the time, and, and which <laughs> I thought was very untrue because I'm an easygoing guy. But that's how I got that name. So you, you get to the Warriors, and over the period of your career, uh, the fans attached to you. Tell me what you thought. The first time you came out to warm up and you looked over the baseline and there were guys wearing hard hats for you. My first thought was, wow. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was unbelievable. And I got really, really teary-eyed because uh, it was so much, it was just such so much an honor for people to really appreciate the little things you did. And and I, I think as today, uh, there are no other better fans than the Warrior fans. They, they were tremendous to me. Uh, they supported me throughout my whole career. Uh, regardless, I played lousy. They still supported me. And I just, I, just, I just always tell my friends about the fans there. Out of all the places I've been, the Warriors fan was the best fan in the NBA. That's, uh, that's, that's well said. In, in, as you played nine years for the franchise before moving on to Houston and then uh, briefly with San Antonio in the 92-93 season, uh, the 86-87 team, uh, coached by George Carl, uh, got to, to beat Utah in the first round, got to the second round of the playoffs, and, and lost to a very, very good Laker team. You had to feel really good about that particular team because, you know, if you if, if you know, had Chris Mullen was on that team, a young Chris Mullen, and you guys had you guys had some pieces there too. Yeah, I thought we had a good group. We had finally came together as a team. Uh, everyone believed that we could 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 do well once we got in the playoffs. And I thought all of us really really committed to what we were doing. Uh, it was a great situation for us. It was a fun situation for us as well. And I just thought the guys had played tremendous. Really worked hard, and it was a very very good thing. Yeah, chance to play with some great uh, teammates as as we talked about before. Even going on to your days in Houston with Akeem Olajuwon, mm-hmm. but you can now say that you played with Hall of Famer Chris Mullen. Uh, did you realize at the time that he had uh, Springfield capability? Yes. How, how come? I, when I saw him play, uh, I said, "Man, this this guy here, he 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 is going to be a player." And he did not prove me wrong. He's a very talented player. He can do a lot of things. He's not very fast, but at the end of the day, he gets it done. And, and he was very, very consistent player throughout his career. And one thing for Chris, I can say he's, he's a very lovable guy. Everybody likes him. He's a great person. And along with the talent, he was destined for the Hall of Fame. 9.2 rebounds a game. In just under uh, t- almost uh, 26 minutes a game, which is remarkable, uh, still in the top uh, 75 to 100 of all time in, in NBA history. Uh, 3.9 offensive rebounds a game, and, and uh, you have to take pride in that because cause rebounding is, I, I think, Larry, and, and see what you think about this, I always think rebounding is the true uh, testament to a player's desire because you have to want to be a great rebounder. Yes, I agree. 
and uh, I play the opportunity to play with a lot of guys uh, in, in both the college, collegiate and the professional ranks, and and everybody want to score. <laughs> and, and like I said, who doesn't want to score? But at the end of the day, uh, you I thought that rebounding uh, win games and give you opportunity to win games, and, and that's something that I really took pride in. I, I really uh, worked hard at it, and you know, became pretty good at it. So I, I really enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed my craft to the fullest. Before I let you go, a couple of things that you end up going back to Houston as an assistant coach, working under Rudy Tomjanovich, and as soon as you show up, they start winning rings. That had to be fun. <laughs> well, uh, I, I was really, really blessed to have the opportunity to uh, work for Rudy T. Tremendous guy, tremendous coach, and a tremendous organization as well. Um, I was surrounded again about, about talented players, uh, guys that were committed to what we were trying to do, and, and it just worked out well for us. Uh, we, had, we, we had only a couple of superstars per se on the team, but we had a lot of, a lot of good role players that knew their job. And this, I think that was the difference for us. We went back-to-back championships, which is really, really tough to do, but the guys really committed what we were doing, and they played extremely hard and got it done. And when, when you were coaching there, what did you learn from Rudy? Because I, I remember Rudy back in those days. I was in, I was in Sacramento then, and he would he was there. Be times I would worry about him sometimes because he would be shaking after a game or something. No, he, but <laughs> but to me, it all I always felt that he looked like he was a a uh, you know that cliche we throw around a player's coach. You know, a guy that players would want to come in and and, and like to play for. It just, it just seemed he had a, a very good rapport with his team. Absolutely. And I always said, if you couldn't play for Rudy T, you couldn't play for anybody. That was the kind of guy he was. Uh, tremendous coach, tremendous player, and a tremendous person. The guy was, was very, very uh, easy to get along with, and he treated, treated all the fans accordingly. So it didn't matter to him who he was. Coming, he, he always stopped and talked to you. It didn't matter who you were. And he just was a terrific person. Well, I'll put it this way. I'm sorry. He is a terrific person. And um, it was great working for him. I really enjoyed it, and I, it was it was it was the ride was great. Well, Larry, I really appreciate your time today. We're going to let you go. I got before I, I do let you go. I want to tell the fans that, that not only are you one of the best rebounders in in NBA history, and certainly one of the best in, in Golden State Warriors history, one of the more beloved players in this franchise's West Coast history. But you know, just the, thinking about your college days, obviously at, at Alcorn State. Uh, one of the best players in that conference history, the SWAC, which produced guys like Purvis Short, yourself, uh, Bob Love, Willis Reed, Zelmo Beatty, and, and you're right on that honors list as well. So it's been a great life in, in, in basketball for you. Uh, I hope that at uh, some point we'll see you on the, the coaching sidelines again because I know you want to get back to that, and, and best of luck. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, this, this interview. And, again, uh, be sure the fans to tell them I still love them to death. Greatest fans in the world. So thanks a lot for having me. And consider that message passed on. A pleasure to talk to a great gentleman and a very tough rebounder, Mr. Mead, Larry Smith. I don't believe it. I can't believe You're unbelievable. Unbelievable. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to look ahead for the upcoming broadcast starting tomorrow, 4.45 the airtime, Warriors and the Grizzlies. And when you play the Grizz, you have to find a way to contain. 
Zach Randolph. Right wing Mayo with it. Eight on the shot clock. Gives right block Randolph with Zavisky in front of him. Five on the shot clock. Randolph to the baseline. A little push off. Step back. 12 footer is good. Randolph with a strong move right there. Now in double figures with 11. And he seems to be heating up a little bit. Simulcast coverage starts at 5 o'clock at tomorrow. Warriors and Grizzlies. Radio coverage starts at 5 o'clock on Saturday night in Dallas where the Mavericks will be looking for a little payback after losing in Oakland. This time, Dirk Nowitzki should be on the floor. Looking for Dirk, and he has it against Millsap. To his left, takes the shot, back out to Dirk. Got Hayward flying by for three. Good! With 3.9 seconds to go! And a timeout taken by Utah. Dirk's got a 38-point game. Warriors and Mavericks, 5 o'clock on radio on KMBR 680. Our simulcast coverage starts at 5.30. Then back home for the game you don't want to miss at Oracle. The rematch between the Warriors and the Rockets. Our coverage starts at 7 o'clock as the Warriors will try to keep James Harden from getting into the paint and causing havoc. Well, he was wide open. Rebound, Oshik to Lynn. Ahead to Harden! Around a double team. The scoop, score, and harm. And and one coming up. For James Harden, that ball traveled about 75 feet without ever hitting the floor. Golden State and Houston, the rematch. It's all part of the Chinese New Year celebration. And then our weekly roundtable is on Thursday night, our All-Star edition. Golden State represented by four players in the All-Star weekend. Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes and the Rising Stars, Steph Curry in the three-point shootout, and of course David Lee in the All-Star game. Get your tickets for Houston early and save at warriors.com slash dynamic or call one gsw hoop That's going to wrap up the show. I, Tim Roy, in Memphis for the best producer in the Western Hemisphere, R.C. Davis, for David Lee, Steph Curry, and Larry Smith, and David Feldhaus at the controls here at KBR 680. Ray Woodson is up next, taking your calls and comments at 808 KMBR. I'm Tim Roy saying good night for Memphis. We'll talk to you tomorrow when the Warriors take on the Grizzlies. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four on three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball. Curry. For tickets, go to Warriors.com or call 1 888 GSW Hoop.